and welcome to another episode of a regenerative future my name is chris havde and in every episode i invite inspiring guests who all have in common that they act on the solutions to create a more thriving world for all of us today's exciting guests is two sustainability adventurers from the norwegian school of economics I would maybe say a regenerative power couple who just passed a million downloads of their book Restart which talks about seven ways to a more sustainable business. Welcome Sveinung and Lars Jakob. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. The first time I heard a regenerative power couple. I heard that we are an old couple from time to time and <laughs> never a regenerative. I like that. I like that. I like to invent the new words. That's great. Yes, great. And uh, where did you start to then uh, power coupling up? It's uh, an interesting uh, place to start, I would say. Yeah, it's uh, getting close on 20 years now since we started working. And it's funny, we in terms of the, the origin story, when I was uh, just started as a PhD student at the Norwegian School of Economics, I was borrowing my professor's office and there was a picture, this kind of newspaper clipping just above the screen where I was sitting and there was this uh, handsome guy who I met a couple of years <laughs> later, and his, his name was Sveinung. And uh, we met uh, later on uh, when, when we were both doing a PhD course in uh, what we now think about as the circular economy. At the time, we thought of it as a circulation economics was the name at the time. And that's where we met. And, and I think that has uh, shaped a lot of what we do together uh, because regenerative, yes, uh, and a sort of below that in some sense uh, towards a more circular future. And since that, we've been working closely together, doing research, doing innovation projects, working with companies uh, to try to help them become more sustainable and more circular. Cool. So it was, uh, would you say it was love at first sight? <laughs> first, oh. second, third. <laughs> Yes, I, I think so. But I mean, we didn't plan this to happen. Uh, we met, we were early in our PhD works, uh, the both of us, we started writing together. Our first publication was actually in, in the European Journal of Social Work, looking at uh, drug addicts in Norway and, and, and how they were treated. So, and, and that was, uh, you know, started out as a course paper in a PhD course mm -hmm. and, and it just built from that. And after that, we've written a, a couple of books. We have our own podcast. We, we've uh, invested in companies. Uh, we've been co-founding a company together with friends of ours, regenerative, absolutely, mm -hmm. uh, Nordic circles. The, so, I mean, so things have been happening as we have gone along but i think there was it was er, quite early i mean love or at least some just um, say it it was love it was love it was love at first sight, <laughs> love at first sight. Yes. yeah but there is no marriage behind this that we don't know of, of any sort uh, we, we try to keep separate marriages but uh, yeah. i think these two families are slowly just merging <laughs> together in, in some strange way so. Cool. But I love that. And in this uh, videocast, we try to invite uh, people who can inspire and give us some hope uh, for the future ahead. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of, at least I find sometimes a bit daunting space of sustainability and the world is ending and all the dystopia. Uh, what would you say has been the benefits of pairing up and being two in this kind of, I would say, a big fight for the better? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in, in part, there's the, like, like you say, there are plenty of reasons to be depressed when it comes to sustainability, right? And I, and I think 
working with this uh, in this field. I think that's true for, for most people, wh whether you're a researcher or a founder or working in a company. When you work with sustainability, it's like a pendulum going back and forth from sort of depression to hope in some sense. And I think being two people together evens that out a little bit. It makes, you know, you, you keep on fighting the, fighting the fight together. I also think from our point of view, there's there's a big productivity boost to being two. We've, we have sort of almost uh, torn down the walls between us. We, we should probably be one person, not two. Uh, <laughs> but, but in some sense, from a productivity point of view, I think we are capable of doing much more, being involved in much more different projects at the same time because it's the two of us. Uh, so, so I think that has been uh, very, very important for the way we work because we have all of these projects with different companies and with different, uh, yeah, and, uh, in, in different and, settings at the same time. And, and over time as well, I think that research, because we are primarily researchers, but we do a lot of things in It doesn't addition. look like that. <laughs> no, 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 we do a lot of things in addition. But the research, teaching, doing everything that is connected to our kind of our day job is like the, mm. that's, that's, that's kind of the most important part of it. Uh, and in many ways, our business or sector has not organized itself very well. So you're, you kind of depend on the genius professor in a way, and working alone, you know, in, in solitude. Uh, but we know that all other parts of society, you organize, you organize and work together. And I think we kind of, not like formally organized ourselves early on, uh, but we did organize ourselves. We made a kind of a community that uh, that made it possible to, 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 to create more and to do more. At the same time, we've seen the past five, six, seven years, we've, we've established a, a center, a research center at the, at the Norwegian School of Economics, Center for Sustainable Business. And we see now that we attract uh, more and more people to that center, good colleagues, and and we we work in the same way with them, which which makes it we can even do more uh, than that. So in a way, we're just doing that like the, like everyone else does. They they make a business or they make some kind of organization um, with some structures, working on the culture, working on the common values, working together, uh, and and then trying to 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 develop and and try to to uh, I mean just say do stuff yeah yeah i love that and uh, kind of a uh, great tips uh, for the listener if you feel a bit lonely in the journey mm -hmm. pair up or uh, get a tribe around you uh, so mm -hmm. you can kind of both boost your productivity and also lift you up when mm -hmm. it feels mm -hmm. a bit uh, depressing to work with uh, i think that's really really cool uh, but then if we go kind of on the last run i would say on you as a couple before we start to talk about <laughs> other things what has what are you doing differently uh, that have made you kind of, uh, I would say at least, being all over the place? <laughs> I've seen you many places uh, the last years. I think we made a couple of choices early on when we when we started working on on this topic, and you know. 20 years ago, almost uh, sustainability and sustainable business wasn't, you know, mainstream in the way that it's, it has become today. And I think we, we made a couple of choices. I don't know how strategic they were at the time, but I think they've turned out quite well. Uh, one of them was, you know, when we wanted to study sustainability, we chose to do it in very close relation to, to the, the concept of the business model. Right. So you can talk about sustainability without talking about business models, but mm. we chose sort of that entry point, because if you really want to find scalable solutions for how to make more sustainable business, it has to, in one way or another, be tied to the sort of core business 
aspects and to the core business model uh, of, of the company. And I think that's a, a sort of a choice we made very early on uh, that I think has been very important. Uh, and I think another important choice we made early on was to start you know, knocking on doors, inviting ourselves into to companies. And in the beginning, we had to, you know, climb in the windows of the basements, more or less. Uh, but we've, we've kept on doing it. We've been working with companies. And in doing that, you, you gain trust, you, you sort of you develop relationships. And now, you know, at, at any given time, we have many, many different companies that we are working with strategically with, you know, business model innovations as they relate to sustainability. Uh, and that, of course, has come with the experience of having done it for a long time and being consistent on sort of we, we are in this to, to try to find better ways to do business. Uh, we are, I would say, in some sense, quite pro-business in the sense that we, you know, we are there's a lot of anti-business sentiment in, in sustainability fields, if you will. Uh, but we have all the, all along been trying to, to play together. Uh, with the companies and with the managers and executives who who try mm. to solve these big messy problems, and in addition, Lashako, we we promised ourselves quite early on that, and we have this this thing that we say, and that, and that is that we have responsibility to have fun, you know, and uh, and 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 now it seems so given, you know, twenty years later we are all around, you know, we have so many connections, we, we, we do a lot of stuff that is fun, but 20 years ago, the sustainability wasn't very popular, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was it directly, un it was unpopular, and, yeah. and, and, and trying then to, to create a field, there wasn't any courses in sustainability at that time, you know, there were some research being done, and some companies had started, absolutely, but I mean, this, is, this wasn't a talk in the town, you know, this isn't something that was happening out there, so we had to start Start kind of convincing ourselves that this was important. This was something that the companies could like to do, have fun doing. That it could be a lot of innovation uh, related to it because it was so it was so dark at that time. Mm. You know, we talked about the responsibility of the company, and our first book as well, ten years ago today, was called Responsible and Profitable. And this, we still be, believe in responsibility. I think that's, that's a core of sustainability and also regeneration. I mean, we have to understand that part of it. At the same time, trying to open up for those opportunities that could be there uh, in, in the business case for sustainability. Um, and that, that's been kind of a driver and, and that to say, well, we have a responsibility to have fun because this is dark. <laughs> it doesn't really seem that we're going anywhere positive. At the mm. same time, how can we kind of keep the spirit up, uh, make engagement, make even like the dark brown companies start talking about this. How can we mm -hmm. kind of get the shoulders down, have a little fun with it and, and, and talk about uh, like, you know, things that are were perhaps more hidden at that time. You didn't really want to talk about it. Uh, but in many ways, we're all in the same boat. I wear clothes, I eat food, I travel, I live in a house, you know? So we're all there. So how can we get from that starting point into something that is smarter and better? Yeah, and I love the connotation of playing on the ball or ballpark or whatever you call <laughs> it, uh, on combining kind of technology, business and the real world we're living in, because I don't think any one of us will take the effort to go back to kind of living in dirt huts and uh, off grid. And so I think that's kind of, uh, uh, believing in Santa. So it's like, how can we combine the modern technologies, uh, evolutions, innovations, hmm. uh, and then, of course, uh, making sustainability fun and 
be about as many pluses as possible and not like how can we get shit to smell a bit less shitty i think that's kind of depressive in itself like can we go from five minus to three minus yeah uh, that makes me jump out of bed not at all in the morning so i love that but if we then kind of you came up with a acronym and a book that's called restart which basically takes a bit of uh, practical steps towards a more sustainable business model. If you would highlight some of the key important elements and maybe practical elements there for the listeners, uh, what does that look like? So, so Restart was written off the back of this first book, like Sveinung said, Responsible and Profitable, which was it was sort of more old school in its approach. Uh, it was it was thick. The font was small. <laughs> there were many references. Uh, so in some sense, we wanted to write a book that was almost completely the opposite. Uh, and we ended up uh, writing a very short book, very sort of, like you say, practically oriented. It was sort of intended to be something that an executive could pick up on the airport and read it and almost get through, like skimming through it until you, you know, land in Skiphol, something like that, right? Um, and intended to be, like I said earlier, you know, business model oriented. And the, the sad fact is that we actually wrote the whole book, it was done. Uh, and then we thought there was something missing. Uh, and uh, we rewrote the whole thing. And that ended up being <laughs> the acronym. So we, we had 10 chapters that were sort of thematic. And we ended up writing it into seven chapters where each of the seven chapters uh, represents one of the seven letters in the acronym restart. And those seven, and I'm going to try to remember, right? redesign, experimentation, service, logic, the circular economy, alliances, uh, results and three-dimensionality. And those are sort of seven aspects of the transition that are that is necessary to move from a less sustainable to a more sustainable business model. And I think that among the most important, you know, takeaways, if you will, of the book, one is the letter E for experimentation. We are strong believers in experimenting, getting out there, you know, uh, getting your hands dirty, trying new things, whether those are, you know, green products, different ways of working, whatever it might be. And that's how we work with companies. We do tests together with, you know, Orkla, the wine monopoly, the football club, Brun. We're doing experiments with companies like that out in the field all the time because we believe that experimentation is such a key in the transition towards more sustainable business. And then I think if, if I were to highlight one other thing, I, I think, and that's probably a, facet of the time the book was written, uh, that was sort of when the circular economy was really taking off. So I think uh, the the book is probably stronger in, in its emphasis on the movement from a linear to a circular economy than on many other aspects. And had we written it two years later, maybe there would have been more emphasis on the regenerative uh, business model, for instance, and, and stuff like that. But it's in there, but it's, you know. Uh, so those are a couple of things and I'm sure Sveinung has things to add. No, yeah, but, but, just a, but just a follow-up question. Uh, mm -hmm. Does that mean we will see a book uh, on the more the relative direction coming? That would be fun. I don't know if there will be a book. <laughs> We've made several podcast episodes in our in our podcast about it because we love that uh, term regenerative nature is regenerative but mm. humans are not always <laughs> so how can we how can we we learn from that and how can we design and and, and as Lars Jacob said the R in restart redesign how can we redesign these business models so we spend quite a lot of time understanding 
what the business model in the company is right now, but then again, how can we experiment for something better, something that is circular? And for us, sustainability, circularity, regenerative, these terms are quite equal for us. We use sustainability as an umbrella, and underneath that umbrella, we could live with responsibility. Uh, we could, we can, we could do studies on the on the regenerative part because a, a a good circular economy is regenerative, you know. So, so for us, we we live with these different uh, terms and uh, and concepts, and we know that our our daily life is like full of buzzwords because many kind of react very negative to it and we have to explain a lot why we still work with sustainability and so on but we could live perfectly fine with that in in, in a couple of years maybe we will call it something else but for us sustainability and regenerativity if that was correct i kind of they, they they add nuances to each other and, and yeah. both are in a way important. But yes, it would be great to go into that regenerative mode and, and, and really make that uh, regenerative, not power couple anymore, because I don't only want to be a couple. I want to be a, a, a big family. <laughs> yeah, but, but can, I say, can I say something, though? Because I think, yes. you know, we, we have... No, please we have, don't. We, you know, we, we have different kinds of outputs, right? Like Sveidon says, sometimes we make a podcast, sometimes we write a book. We try not to write too many books because it takes up so much damn time. Uh, but as Feynman was saying in the beginning, one of the things we did just a few years back uh, is that we we decided, uh, and that's going beyond the couple, we decided to found a company together with uh, some friends here in Bergen, architects, engineers, you know, business model enthusiasts, uh, lawyers, lots of different people um, who wanted to build a regenerative uh, venture. And I think that that, in some sense, our contribution to a more regenerative future is perhaps more through that sort of practical innovation with this company that is called Nordic Circles than in writing a book. And I think maybe that was also a, a sort of a development in, in our life that, you know, we, we wanted to go from writing about these things to actually doing it. So we, we founded this company back in 2020, I think, um, where we take uh, old boats and we take the steel and we upcycle it into new building materials and parts of the ah, their different that, um, yeah. yeah so there are different uh, product categories that we have developed but one of them uh, the so-called super dock is uh, uh, sort of a, what do you call it the dock front on the on the you know uh, on the shore uh, which is which has regenerative characteristics because it, it serves as a fish hotel it's it's steel but it's sort of perforated it has small holes and stones behind it so small fish seaweeds and so on have good growing conditions and this has been tested by researchers in the norse research institute and it shows that it actually regenerates life below water uh, so in some sense you can say rather than write the book we 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 did regenerative business in in practice and that's another way of sort of getting this uh, stuff out there yeah and much better in my sense so we don't need any more books we actually <laughs> just need a whole a lot of more action so love that uh, development and i'm a really fan of kind of uh, ice bathing and sauna and i know mm -hmm. they're also planning to put out the sauna uh, in the shore in uh, oslo uh, which will regrow uh, kind of life oh. on the water so right. that's really really cool to see you talked a lot about experimentation. Can't you let us in on some of the recent experiments? Uh, and you also do a lot of kind of nudging principles in mm -hmm. that to nudge to better behaviors. Uh, you know, 
we were waiting for that for, for many, many years. We have this Batman phone in our office that, that rings from time to time. There are companies out there need that need, needs help. Uh, <laughs> What's um, a Batman phone? A Batman, you know, Batman. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, 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 they they okay, call come Batman. and save the world. Yeah. Who yeah. are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> the Batman phone, it, it, it yeah. rings from time to time and, and we pick it up. And, and at, at, at this time it, it said the Esco. SK Brann, which is the ah. local uh, football team, and yeah. Lars Jakob, of course, he he's been dreaming of playing professional soccer all his life, uh, and now he was hoping, but uh, that, uh, they they wanted help with something else than Lars Jakob. Mm, that's true. Sorry. So this, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It was a it was a pipe dream, but uh, so this you know the football clubs all over the world now, and especially in Europe, are being uh, exposed to new sustainability requirements through the UEFA you know uh, governing body, um, and this was true for Brann as well. And the the first uh, sort of performance dimensions they have to deliver on is is recycling in the stadiums because you know as the situation is today, whether it's here with the NBA or the NFL, the Premier League. All over the world, sports have had a hard time making people in large events, music festivals is the same thing, to make them uh, recycle properly. So we have been uh, doing, funded by the UEFA uh, governing body, uh, we have been doing experiments on every single home match at the Brann Stadium this season. It's been secret, so there's just one game left this Sunday against the, the league winners, Budeglimt. Uh, so we have been basically well, making nudging interventions uh, you know, a football stadium is a fantastic place to run an experiment because you have these different zones where people are and they are only in their zone. They are on the stand where they are. <laughs> so you can expose them to something and people in another stand to something else. So we have a lot of control over who are exposed to what. And then we measure after the fact how much they throw, where they throw it, how much uh, littering is left on the stand, how much is put in the bins. Do they put it in the right bin or do they put you know, food waste in the plastic bin and stuff like that? Uh, so we've had a huge team of international business school students uh, working with us every single week, uh, sitting down and trying to uh, measure um, the effect of different kinds of nudging interventions uh, in the stadium. So we look forward to, to tell more about these uh, secret experiments now that the season is uh, getting close to an end. And, and, and this is tied to uh, the, the business model of a football club, you know, which has many dimensions. Uh, they deliver uh, some value, you know, they, they, they capture some part of that value. Uh, we went into the club, sat down with the managers in the club, and who are ambitious and uh, yes they, they 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 need to fulfill the requirements of of uh, you know the, the government and and uefa and so on at the same time they want to do something different so they've been doing lots of uh, of of, uh, of changes uh, to become more sustainable um in women's team for instance girls uh, girls team as a girls uh, football have been engaged in in, in, in that uh, part of it they've been working with drug addicts in in, in the like the street teams got the club uh, i think that's the the, the right that's term a in... great english word yeah oh, thank you the, the gate the, 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 the gate the gate club <laughs> so the, the street teams so they and so they've been doing things around many things around uh, the, the, the business model or what they do. And then they have this project, the Green Stadium. And we've been a part of that together with the managers, together with the club, uh, discussing this also with, with the fans of the club, 
what is the current situation, where do they want to go, and how can we then experiment um, on, on moving uh, the club in that direction. So we spend a wonderful year sitting down, you know, sorting all the waste after every game. Every, you know, that's what we dreamt of our <laughs> whole life. You know, at the same time, that's it's very practical. It's 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 very close to the kind of the the core of what the the club is is doing. We're learning a lot from it. It's it's really fun to to talk about uh, to others and inspire them as well. To okay, take a look at your organization. Mm. Who are you? What are you doing? What's like the, the negative footprints of that? What are the current positive handprints uh, of that? And how can you transform this organization? And you have to start somewhere. Um, mm. You can sell sausages or clothes or transportation or sport. I mean, there's so many uh, um, services and products that are sold out there. So many organizations that offer different kinds of, of, of value. Okay, but how can they innovate these this company how can they redesign their their business models how can they do that through experimentation we do this scientifically but but also how can you build a culture of experimentation in your organization small experiments large ones uh, and how can you kind of use that to rethink what you do how you do mm. it and, and and how can that reduce the negative footprint and then increase uh, the, the the positive handprint so could there be any insights in what worked with the nudging or is that too early to share anything? Well, it's not too early, Lars Jakob. We could talk no, about gamification, for instance. For sure. So we've been testing. So there are 16 games in a season and that's given us a lot of room to test different things. Uh, and, um, and some of them have worked and, and some of them haven't. Uh, one of the sort of uh, horses in this race that we had a lot of belief in and it turned out being... Uh, a strong one uh, was gamification, like Sveinung says. So this idea that you know, if you turn a behavior into a game, that can be by having people compete with each other or just by making the behavior more fun. Uh, then you know, um, uh, we we might expect people to be willing to engage more in that behavior. And we've been doing a couple of things there. Uh, one of them, I think, uh, went viral on uh, Twitter or X, I guess it's called now. Um, this uh, voting booth that we created to have people put their, um, you know, single-use uh, Coke, uh, you know, sort of soda cups and coffee cups in the right place. So we made a see-through uh, plexiglass uh, voting bin where you can vote for or against different things. So in, in football stadiums, <laughs> they care about stuff like video-assisted referees. Should we have them or shouldn't we? Uh, should supporters be allowed to bring drums and beat drums rather than just singing? In, in Bergen, there's a strong sense that you shouldn't bring drums, you should just use your voice. Uh, so we made, you know, made it possible for people to vote with their cup. Uh, turns out a lot of people are interested in doing that. Right? And you know, maybe instead of dropping it on the ground, they actually put it in the right place. And we've also been doing a different kind of gamification on a very specific part of the stadium, namely the uh, away supporters end. Um, and of course, there every week you get new people coming from Hamar and Bude and Tromsø and, you know, all over the country. Um, and we basically set up uh, an internal competition between the away supporters, uh, which team is the best team at sorting their waste in the stand, because we uh, measure that down to the milligram. So we know exactly which supporter team. Uh, is the best or the most sustainable in, in Norway. So once we started putting up league tables so they could see uh, the teams that have been there before, suddenly that motivates people to start uh, acting differently. So gamification seems to, to work quite well when it comes to uh, making people recycle better and uh, litter less on the ground. 
Cool. I would definitely. Uh, I feel the urge inside myself to vote, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that even works from distance. Uh, but I would like to take the conversation from. Yeah, we can do all the small steps, and that's nice. But in the reality, we need to do uh, like humongous steps. Hmm. Uh, so. I would like to use the reference of India not going through the fixed phone, but directly to the uh, cell phone. Mm -hmm. How can we, I would say, skip the beat of sustainability to go directly to regenerativity? Because mm -hmm. like, okay, we have now what, eight years left, uh, if we're going to reach kind of uh, the shitty minus uh, three, whatever. But I don't think that's going to create a world that we all really want to live in, thrive in and so on. So we need to go beyond that. Uh, how can we make those huge, humongous steps happen? We, we've been discussing this uh, a lot. And I remember uh, quite a few years back, we said that uh, this problem will not be solved at the kitchen, by the kitchen bench or sink. You know, mm -hmm. uh, We cannot think that the one-on-one -on -one consumer can solve this alone uh, we're dependent on companies and and as business economists or economists we have chosen to see the world through the the eyes of the of the business we work with other organizations as, as well but if we could make those large companies make improvements you know uh, that could make it easier for us in our our lives and easier for consumers and they don't have to be like the the one who has to you know create the wheel every single day that that that, that single consumer but how can we make companies then reinvent themselves and of course move them from from what they have been doing to something completely different so in another example we've been working with with Orkla who who, who produces and, and sells soap in Norway. And I mean, that's been a, a way of doing things forever, you know, making single use containers, fill them with soap. We use them for a short time and then we throw it away. And this huge step here, what could that be? And we've been working with them for many years in a large uh, uh, research project that we called Sustain XX for experimentation, actually. <laughs> and, and working, okay, understanding the, the linear business model behind it and and, and, and then see, thinking, how can we turn this into a service? Is it possible to stream soap? And I, I, I'm not saying that that will solve all the problems in the world, you know? But at the same time, how could we kind of think that we could stream soap the, the same way that we stream music in, mm. in our, you know, or stream other services? And then out of this long project, they now have uh, started our own company called Refill or Pawfill uh, in Norwegian. Yeah, I've seen uh, that. That, yeah. that offers these kinds of, of, of solutions to the end customers. So, and how can that be made convenient? How can it be um, turned into a service? How can the company offer different kinds of services and products on that platform? And how can that be used then as, 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 um, as a way of, of rethinking what they do and also do things differently? And that's just one example of one company, you know, offering those kinds of solutions. But how can every company think in that way? How can mobility think in that way? How can we, I, I mentioned the houses that we live in, how can we build houses for the future? Do we have to, to, to go through the same steps 
everywhere that we have done here? Or can we rethink the way we do that in a way that produces less emissions and so on? How can we do that with food? How can we, how can we do that with the most important things that we use every single day? And I think, uh, Chris, you said something important earlier, which is uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning, right? And I think mm -hmm. if we think about the sort of underlying theory of change, how do you make big changes happen? Well, Sveinung used the word now convenient, attractive. We, we need to, you know, we, we need to design a, a future that looks attractive for people. Uh, I'm, I'm very happy that there are people out there who are radical, who are sort of criticizing, who are sort of in some sense, painting the bleak picture because we need that. But that isn't going to transition our economy into a regenerative economy. That is going to happen by you know, companies at the business model level dreaming up solutions that are at least as attractive as the status quo for people, right? But preferably more attractive. And in mm -hmm. the word regenerative, for instance, there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of dimensions of what we would think of as a regenerative future that I think a lot of people would like if they were to be shown a realistic scenario. What does this future look like? What kind of food would I be eating? How would I be living my life every day? How would I be transporting myself around? Uh, you know, I think people would like a regenerative future, uh, but mm. it's actually down to the companies to be able to create those scenarios and to develop the products and services, the solutions that can actually take us there. Uh, and that are at least as convenient, as, you know, affordable, but most importantly, as attractive or more attractive than what people have today. Because if you're going to change the lifestyles of millions, billions of people, that's what we essentially need. And it boils down to business models. Yes, I totally agree. And I think that's a nice place to land today. We need to make it more attractive. Uh, so people want to jump out of bed every morning and actually contribute. But if we're going to end on a short, and then I mean short, uh, <laughs> not uh, each of you, what would be uh, your best tip to the users or users, hmm? users of my podcast, listeners uh, out there to kind of be part of the big success, but uh, what small step can they take in their everyday life to be part of uh, contribute? Back to the kitchen sink, or or perhaps we, we said business and business models, but uh, and we talked about organi organizing today, how we have organized Lashakov and I to, to do more. So, how can people then, in their own sports clubs with their children, are you know, how can they, how can they, in, in, in the organization that they work, how can they? work together in communities uh, and try to, to, to aim for those shifts that you and, and imagine together. What can we do uh, from day to day? Um, getting more girls to play soccer and having the same, having the same, uh, you know, opportunities as, as, as the boys. You know, mm. there, there are small things, but they mean a lot, you know. So how can we, not only at the kitchen, in the kitchen, but in our lives and the different aspects of our lives, work together to to make changes and 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 be optimistic and and see that it is possible to to go through your companies or go through another kinds of organization or another community that you are a part of and super Thanks. brief and picking up that you... sorry yeah. no i just uh, wanted to say that i really love that you also include the social part of mm -hmm. uh, regenerativity or sustainability which is usually left 
out mm. and we uh, humans don't want to live a suffering life just to mm. save the planet we only want to save the planet because then we can live a better lives so we need that social and having fun along the way i think thanks mm. what do you wanted to add uh, i just wanted to add on the we and it sort of connects to what you just said uh which is you know Sleinung said a responsibility to have fun and you know finding a way into this that motivates you and where maybe you can motivate others, right? Whether that's in the workplace, in your everyday life, you know, in, in whichever way, you know, how to mobilize change among others, uh, I think is a big part of that. And, and, and for that, like you said, Chris, we, we need passion. We don't need fear. We need the desire to create something that is better. Absolutely. That's a good uh, place to end, uh, guys. And so happy to have you here. Uh, the first uh, power couple in the studio. Uh, so that's always cool. So thank you so much for joining today. Thank you very thank much, you. Chris. Uh, and thank you for your contribution through your pod and, and everything else that you do. And thank you to all the listeners out there for listening to the videocast, Every Generative Future. Uh, we look forward to see you again uh, next uh, time. And until then, uh, do some great impact and have fun along the way. See you then and goodbye.